Hi, and welcome to our podcast called Asking Better Questions. My name is John Newsham. And I am Shane Chan. We are just two friends encouraging one another to seek God more. We've discovered that one of the best ways to learn and grow is by asking questions, and we want to improve the questions that we're asking. It's important to keep learning and growing, and that'll never end in our journey with God. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. We can't promise that we'll be able to answer them, but we will have a try to have a conversation about them. And you can send any questions to Asking Better Questions podcast at gmail.com. So this is our second time that we're going to be having a look at a listener's question. And so it's going to be very exciting today. And uh, keep sending those questions into us. So Shane, everyone seems to be using this phrase, I can't wait for everything to get back to normal. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, first of all, as you had in the last podcast, I couldn't even get my name right. So I, I'm sort of losing my mind a little bit, it feels like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just think getting things back to normal would be great at this stage. And just you know, being able to meet people and just um, do it like I used to. So because I'm a very social person and I like that interaction with people and there's no restriction of where you can go and what you can do. And especially because my family, they live in another state. And so they're stuck and they're wanting to come over because um, we're having our first baby and, and, and they can't travel to be here. Yeah. So those restrictions, you know, getting getting life back to normal, if that happens, that would work really well for us. And And I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people where they haven't been able to see their loved one and yeah, it's it's not overly too great. And what about you? Uh, how are you doing with the restrictions? Well, yeah, in some ways the restrictions have been really good, and in other ways they've been quite difficult. Uh, I'm you know fairly social as well, and so I like to get out there. Um, with my work though, I've been sort of spending a lot of time with a lot of different people who I'm never likely to see again, and so with that context. It's been really nice to be able to take some of that time and just spend it with family and um, you know play some board games and uh, actually be there on the weekends around the family and stuff like that. And so I've actually really enjoyed the forced break, the forced time at home. And so it's been really good from that perspective. I know that during the day with the doing school from home online uh, has been a little bit more of a challenge. And not having that structure around for the kids to do their work in the normal way has been a bit of a challenge. And so there's sort of the tension, but also the fact that we get to spend a lot more time together. So it's been a, an interesting balance to work, but I've actually not been too disappointed with the way it's worked out. Awesome. So our first segment that we like to do is called Random Scripture. This is where we flip the Bible to a random page and read a few verses that catch our eye on that page. We'll then have a discussion about that verse and let the discussion take on a life of its own. We really do just flip it and read whatever those verses say. We don't come into it with a message or an agenda. Rather, we let the scripture start the conversation. So Shane, I think it's your turn to flip the scripture today. Yes. So I have flipped to Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger... Wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up, his desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. 
I'll just stop it there. Fantastic. Well, this is uh, one of the most quoted scriptures from the Old Testament into the New Testament, I believe. Uh, this, the righteous shall live by faith, is one of those classic statements that has captured imaginations and hearts throughout generations. Uh, it has caused sometimes a bit of rifts between different churches and people have got great revelation about it. This obviously talking uh, into the future of something that God has promised that is going to come and we're looking forward to it. And the, the link there between the fact that God's made a promise that we're looking forward to and the faith that we're holding on to is joined together by this concept of lingering and waiting. And I love that concept being spoken about because I think often we feel like if we have faith, things just happen immediately. And there's two problems with that. Number one is it won't happen immediately most of the time. And number two is our faith isn't what's in control. Our faith comes from God. He gives it to us as a gift and he's in control. And so this uh, it's just sort of jumped out at me. It's quite interesting. And I really enjoy being provoked in this area. How about that? That's a good scripture. Yeah. So like you said, Pastor John, I really like the fact um, that it talks about um, the revelation and it will not be proven false. So clearly there's a revelation given by God. And if God has given a revelation, it is true. And it will not be proven wrong, no matter what it looks like and how long you might need to wait. Sometimes in the waiting, we might see that, is it ever going to come to pass? We start thinking that way. How, how much longer, God? It has been so many years, God. You have spoken about something. You have given a revelation of something. But we are still waiting. And we see, like, then there's this uh, enemy coming in and telling you, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe those things that you were thinking about is actually not from God. It was just a thought you had. But it's about holding on to God's promise. And I think that's what um, the verses here talk about, um, that the God gives us an answer. He gives us a revelation and we need to hold on to it firmly. Yeah, it's interesting, Shane, as you were starting to talk then, I just thought I'd flip my Bible back one page just to see if I could find some context for what we're actually reading about here. And as I looked at the page and started to read for some context, you said basically the identical words, which was, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? but you don't listen or cry out violence, but you do not say. And as I was reading that, you were saying, you know, sometimes we sit there and we ask, how long is it going to take God before we get an answer? And and so I just found that uh, it sort of grabbed me at the same time. And so what you're describing is the exact complaint that Habakkuk had. That's a tongue twister. So we, we look forward to what it is that God's going to do. We when he comes and he gives us a promise, it's very exciting and we grab onto it and we think it's amazing. And often as we go forward, as we're following God, as we're doing what we need to do, that promise starts to get delayed. And it doesn't take much reading the scripture to find that most of the big promises that God made, there was a delay in them. And so, you know, you get to uh, Noah and God says there's going to be a flood and it's a hundred years later before there's a flood. 
you get to Abraham and God says you're going to have a child and then it's 30 years later before he has a child. You see God comes to Joseph and says you, your brothers and your father are going to bow down to you and it's probably about the same 15, 20, 30 years between when God makes the promise and when the fulfillment happens. And so there's automatically within us, as we follow God more and more, this knowledge that following him is going to cause us to wait and cause us delays. And God is saying in this scripture, if it's going to linger, don't wait for it. And then he says, it'll certainly come and it won't delay. And so that That's right. the, the contrast in there is that it's not going to be late. It's not going to be delayed, but it won't be necessarily on our time frame. And so yeah. within that also is the idea of actually whatever it is that God says, write it down. And, you know, it's not necessarily exactly what it's saying here, but write it down so that later on when it happens, you've got that as a reference point to say, this is what God said and this is what happened. Also, if it happens differently to what you're expecting, you can go back and say, well, when I read it, when I heard from God and I wrote it down, this is what he said, but I interpreted it wrong and that's why I've got to this scenario but if i go back to what god actually said rather than just how i remember it then i see actually he did exactly what he said it's no different to what he said it was just different to what my expectations were that's really good pastor john um i just want to point out that when it says in in verse four about the desires that the enemy will give you are not upright but the righteous person will live by his faith so this will obviously test your faith, like having that much time that that you have been given a word and it hasn't come to pass. We need to be faithful in that. And faith is not an easy thing. And faith is something that you need to really hold on to and say, no matter what, I'm going to not move from this. This is what God has said. And like you said, write it down so you know what it is that God is saying to you. And the enemy will come and he will tell you all these other things that actually doesn't line up with what God has said. Yeah. So we need to be really, be really careful of what are we inputting into our life, what, what is from the enemy and what is from, the, from God. And this is one of the other things I always say to people. Satan um, even used a Bible verse at Jesus when he was in the desert to try to distract him away from his purpose. Yeah. And so you might get people who might even quote Bible verses at you or things that would come up that you might think this is right because it is from the Bible or it, it, it seems like this is from God and it sounds good. But we need to be really careful if what God has spoken is true and it is right. It will come to pass. And the beauty about waiting is... There's nothing great about waiting. Waiting sucks, especially when you live in a time where everything is instant. You want food, you can just uh, call Pastor John and he'll bring some Uber Eats for you. Um, <laughs> like everything is so instant in our world. If you want to communicate with someone, it's so instant nowadays. You want a package nowadays, it comes within the day or two. Um, and so, but God's promises are different. It's the waiting and it sort of drives us and pushes us to be more patient. And so in that stage, we need to rely on God that not nothing about God is always instant. 
it might take some time, but it is worth the wait. Yeah, fantastic. Well, as I mentioned before, we have our second listener's question. And so from this point forward, we're hoping that all of the questions that we answer or discuss on this podcast will be from the listeners. And so the one we've got today is, how do I know if I'm in the right church? So if I just break that, how do I know if I'm in the right church? If I just break that down to start with, um, there's a couple of different ways of looking at going to the right church. And so one of the ways that I want to have a look at it is the question of which church should I go to would be valid in that. And it's similar to the question, although it's not the same, it's similar to the question, who should I marry? And in that question, there's a couple of assumptions. Uh, and, you know, without going into all of the answers of that, the, one of the questions there is, is there only one? And how do I find that person? This is if we're talking in the context of marriage. And, or are there many that could be the right one? And, you know, we could ask those same questions about finding the right church. If we put it, if we just go with the, th- um, the illustration of marriage for a moment, in the process of trying to work out who to marry, there's lots of choices, there's lots of discussions, there's lots of options, depending on your culture, how you go about that. But once you marry them, biblically, there's an obligation to make the relationship work. And the reasons for leaving a marriage uh, should not be shallow. If someone leaves a marriage, the Bible puts a very high standard on what reasons are valid in that case. And there's many reasons why God places this standard. One of those reasons is that God's character is reconciliatory, meaning that God wants us to reconcile relationships. And so God places great value on us actually being able to resolve relationships. And I think with when we talk about church, if we're talking about if we're in the right church, often the reason we might ask that question is because there's a struggle in one of our relationships that is becoming more difficult. And I'm not saying that uh, you have to have the same reasons to leave a church as what you have to leave a marriage. But I think the concept that's behind that of the fact that God actually wants us to make relationships work, that God actually wants us to put the effort in if there's a breakdown in relationships to see if we can be the one that fixes it, to see if we can be the one that goes and actually makes the sacrifice or makes the 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 first step towards making that relationship work. And so not to just leave lightly, but I think once you commit yourself to a church, you plant yourself in a church, there should be a fair bit of effort on both sides to say, let's make this relationship work. So Shane, when we first decided that this was the question that we were going to look at for this podcast, and I sat down to start preparing that, there's one question that it's sort of a default question that I ask, but it came differently to to this question than what I normally ask. So normally the first question is, what does the Bible say about this topic? But the question that struck me, and I'm going to throw to you, is, is there actually anywhere in Scripture where it talks about changing churches? So, if you look at the early church, I believe there was the apostles who went from one place to another. And wherever they went, whichever city or town, wherever they went, there were just always people who would meet together. And... And you can see that evident in the Bible where you would see that there's a place that the apostles go to and they just have a church there. And they it seemed like they didn't have an option of meeting here and there and separately. Like the Apostle Paul didn't go 
into five different meeting places and go to the this church and that church and that church and that church. He just went to one place and everyone gathered and everyone had this sense of community. And when he would go away, there would always be troubles in church because church is people and no one is perfect. So there's always something coming up that people are not happy about. Yeah. And there would always be people going away from the church. And I think that's what the whole body of the church is about. Like there's so many different meeting places and people come together. And that's what the body of Christ looks like. Each one has a big part to play in it. And I believe that when you look at those earlier churches, there was no option of which church I can go to. There was the church they can all go to in their community and people would meet there. And if people weren't happy, they might go away for some time. They might be doing some wrong things, but then you would have a apostle come in and always try to make things right. He would write letters to them to make sure they're encouraged and they keep together. They have that unity between them because that's what usually happens when you have people around. There's always going to be disagreements. So that's what the churches back then it looked like um there's a verse in hebrews chapter 10 um it says uh, in verse 24 to 25 says and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another all the all the more as you see the day approaching and so here it talks about not to give up meeting together, no matter what has happened. And and it talks about people are in a habit of do, doing where they don't want to see each other. But the Bible is clear that not to give up on that. Yeah, We need to meet together. We need to come together as, as a church family, as people, as, as the body of Christ. We need to come and love one another, encourage one another, and, and push ourselves towards those good deeds that uh, God wants for us. And so you, you have this picture of, okay, what church is the right church? Is there a perfect church I can go to? What would you say to that, Pastor John? Well, the, the traditional answer to that question, if you talk to ministers, is the perfect church is the one without people in it. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I think, you know, what, what you're saying there, the problem is even if I take all of the problems that I've got and I go to another church, then I'm going to take all of the problems with me to the other church. And That's so, right. you know, it's not a fix-all because there are times where it is necessary or, you know, even perfectly acceptable just to say, I'm going to go to a different church. If I was to move house and I lived in a different country, obviously I'm going to have to change the church that I'm attending. And uh, so within that, there is... It's not that we're not allowed to leave a church. If you're going to a church that don't allow people to leave, I think you probably should check which church you're going to and whether or not it's the right one. But the the concept that there is times where it is necessary or acceptable just to say, I'm going to leave, doesn't take away from the fact that one of the reasons that we're put into a community is because when we rub against each other, we cause each other to be sharpened. And yeah. so not only is the fact that I'm likely to be offended when I'm around people, but it seems like I'm more likely to be offended when I'm around church people. And part of that is simply because we, we become closer in that sort of community. And part of it is simply that we expect more from them than what we expect from other people. 
And That's so w- there's going to be a fence. And the Bible says that the way that the world will know that we're disciples of Jesus is that we have love for one another. And yeah. so if we can't resolve any difficulties, if we can't get over these struggles that we have with different people, if we can't ever actually get to a point where we resolve those problems, then how are we any different to the world? What is the difference? And so I think in that context, there needs to be some times where we just have a bit of a thicker skin or be more willing to apologize when we're only 5, 10, 20% wrong. Uh, And especially if we're completely wrong, we should just be willing to say, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do whatever it takes to fix the problems that I've caused. And that's, that's scriptural. But then when we... When we don't do that ourselves and we expect the other person to do it, then we end up causing a bigger rift, a bigger struggle there. And so I think, um, you know, you, you touched on the fact that back in the days of the scriptural times, they didn't have much choice of which church they went to. And I remember right. Pastor Richard Kintu coming from Uganda to preach at our church when we were in a small country town and we were a very small church. And when he arrived, uh, he had someone that was driving him to our church and when he arrived there was 10 cars in the car park and because of the culture and the the way that he's been attending church in his country when he saw 10 cars in the car park he thought wow this must be a massive church because in their communities everyone walks to church and there's only one or two people that would actually have the wealth or the prosperity in a large group to actually own a car And so he saw 10 cars in the car park and he started to get really stressed. This is going to be a really big church. And he he went into the back room and he started interceding. God, I'm going to need something good here because I was expecting a small church and there's going to be so many people here. And then there wasn't that many people there. By the time everyone arrived, it was probably a group of about 35 or 40 people at the time. And, And so he was very comfortable when the church service started. He looked around, oh, there's not actually that many people. And he started to relax. And and I remember uh, when he was explaining that to me, not really understanding it. I, I found the way he told the story was quite funny. And I, I sort of half related to it. And I, I saw the point that he was trying to make. But then I went to a church in Uganda of the uh, of Pastor Frank Bataille, who Pastor Richard was saved in his church. And when I went to that church, there was only two cars, I think, in the car park. And there was hundreds of people in the church. And you could actually see as we were driving, I was being driven in, and as we were driving into the space where we were going to park the car, there was all these people just walking and walking and walking. And just from my cultural background, I'm looking around thinking, where are all these people coming from? And they're the people that lived in that community. This was their church. And so they didn't have the option of then going down the road and choosing another church that they might have liked more. They didn't have the option of going down to another church where the pastor was willing to spend more time with them or or where they were more able to serve in a greater way or anything like that. This was their church and this is where they found God. And in all of the places that I've been uh, in different countries and all around Australia, when you go to a different church, they do things differently. There's different styles. There's different songs. There's different things. But the same spirit is there. And that's right. when God is present in the church, that should be our reason for going. And yes, there's fellowship. We need to fellowship. We need to be spending time with people. But the reason we're going there is for God. And God that's can right. be anywhere. He is everywhere, but he can manifest himself in different ways, different times. 
And so wherever we go in the world, we actually find that we can walk into any congregation of any church in the world and we find brothers and sisters who are there to worship the same God as us. And that's exciting. That's, that's amazing. And yet when we travel, we see the excitement of that and we're thrilled about it and we, we get a, a touch in our spirit and it's amazing. But then we go back to our church that we go to every week and it, the temptation is to be annoyed at that person because they do this or, or that person makes the same statement every time or this person's always grumpy or this person uh, doesn't understand where I'm coming from or that person won't talk to me. Whatever the problem is, and we look at that and it starts to annoy us because it's time and time again. That's and, yet, and yet we went there because the first time we went there, maybe there was a sense of God or maybe when the preacher was preaching, it spoke right into our circumstances. Whatever was the reason that attracted us to that church in the first place is probably still exactly the same. But there's other little things that have come alongside of us and annoyed us. And because in our culture, we have the opportunity to just say, well, I'm going to jump in my car and go an extra 5, 10, 15 minutes down the road, and I can choose any church that I want. We have this tendency to say, well, I won't resolve that issue. I'll just go to another church. And often we spiritualize that. And often we say, well, I didn't sense the presence of God there anymore. And there's times where in Jesus' life, it seems like it was difficult to sense the presence of God. And we see several of the characters in the Bible where it says they either didn't know that God had left them or they realized God was there and they hadn't realized he was there before. And it wasn't anything about their circumstances that changed. In fact, often they went into worse circumstances when they had that encounter with God. But they had a moment where they suddenly saw what God was doing in their circumstance and it changed everything. And so often I think in church life, if we were able to just step back and say, God, this is difficult, I'm struggling with this person, I'm struggling with that person, but I want you, then I think we would find a lot more often that God would meet us in that place and we'd have an encounter. Some amazing points there, Pastor John. Um, one of the things that um, I saw and experienced is I would take people uh, from whatever church I'll be in and we'll go and visit another church. And they would often look at me and say, why can't our church be like this? Why can't we do some of the things that they do? And I, I believe like there's preferences you have to church, but there's people who would come to our church, those same people that go to that church for years and years, they might come rock up to our church one day and be like, why can't our church be like this? And the fact is, like you said, that when we first enter into a church, we feel great. It's amazing. And, and the reason for that is people might be welcoming you might have experienced a great presence of God and all of that is great. But like somewhere down the line, an offense might have come. Things might not seem right. You might be um, annoyed at someone and it's just making you uncomfortable and uncomfortable and uncomfortable being in the same place. And and this, that's the big issue. I was in a church uh, once many years back um, and I had a lot of issues with the church. Um I was a, a young person and I didn't really get a choice of a church that I went to. It's, it's a church that my parents went to. And I had a lot of issues. I didn't agree with a lot of things um, they did and how they did it. And and I struggled with it so much that I was like, God, where should I go? There are churches um, in, in the place I'm living right now. I could really go to any church. But is it the church that you want me to be in? And... And God says, this is where I want you right now. 
And yeah. I had to fight that week in, week out every time I was there. And every time something I didn't agree with, I had to fight that saying, no, it's not about how people are doing things. It's not about any of it. It's about the fact that God wants me here and that's why I'm here. So there's clearly God God is doing something here and if he's positioned me here, there's things I need to learn, there's things I need to change. I don't know what the reason for it, but the fact I need to just hold on to the to the word that God has given me. And it's like we did our random scripture. We need to hold on to the word that God has given us and, and just wait until he changes. So yes, there were some amazing churches that I could have went and tried out and, and went to different churches just to see. And um, I might have felt the presence of God strongly there. But I just remember that God has placed me here and he wants me here. So I'm holding on to God and I'm not holding on to people. And I, I sort of, couldn't sort of care less what people thought or said because I was there for God and whatever God said for me to do I needed to make sure I was right with that church like yes that church is a, a has a vision I might not agree with it but this is where God has placed me and it's a God-given vision I, I'm sure that they wouldn't just put out anything there so while I was there while I didn't agree with everything I needed to help them in that vision and so I would do everything that I need to do, to do to help them with their vision because God placed me there. So if I was someone there who was always against them, that wouldn't be helpful for me or for them. And so even though there was a lot of disagreement, we sort of said, but God said, we need to be here. This is our goal. This is our vision. And we're going to hold on to it. And we're going to get through this. And so sometimes you have that in, in life. And like you mentioned about um, as a marriage, you do have disagreements. So for every disagreement, you don't want to just go and change a wife. You know, you, you walk through it. You settle things. You, you have all these issues. It, and some issues might be going for weeks and months and whatever it might be in your uh, circumstance, in your situation. But you need to be asking yourself, has God placed me here? God is here. He can be everywhere. So if you think you are not feeling God's presence strongly, no, He is there. Like, He is in the midst of people who are gathering in His name. So it could be the fact that they, there's issues going there. It's, it's making you harder to focus on God. And as people, God has called us to resolve those things and to encourage one another, to love one another and pray for one another so as we start begin to do that as we as we do that those things that god has called us to do we'll find out wait there was a rough time i was in this church where i thought that's it i'm going to leave this church and i'm going to go and try something else but i'm glad i stuck to this there was bigger plan that god had had for this church and and you hear like some people would would not like um the decisions that a church would make and and they were like, that's it. I'm packing my bags. I'm going to, I know. It's not, the thing is, it's not about you. And it's about God. And it's yeah. about what, what the vision God has given to the church. And we need to submit to that. And no matter what happens, you know that you're following God in this. Yeah, so I think within that, you know, you, you've mentioned a couple of things that, you know, maybe 
you don't agree with the vision of the church or the direction that it's going and, and submission and all of that. I think as long as we're not using that as a weapon, then I agree with that entirely. I think there are times where the path that God has me on and the path that he has the next person on are so different that we're not going to walk together, but we can still be Christian about it. We can still be godly about the way we do it. And so if there's a particular church that you're going to and the vision is something that you can't agree with, then either you don't serve in that way, you find a way to to go with a good attitude, or you can, you can leave. I, I think the struggle with that is that if we make that decision lightly, I don't think we should change churches based on emotion. I don't think we should change churches based on superficial differences. But yeah. there's, no, there's no scripture that says you have to stay in a particular church. As you mentioned, the apostles would travel around. There was lots of different traveling preachers that would go around from church to church to church. And, you know, it, you almost get the impression from the Apostle Paul's life that he sort of gave up the idea of having a home and just started becoming a traveling speaker. And ended up being, you know, obviously there's the prisons and, and things like that towards the end of his life where he wasn't able to go home anyway. But then people would come to him and they would have church in the house that he was imprisoned in. And so even within that, it wasn't like he was trying to move around and shift. He was trying to spread the gospel. And the the goal is not to build massive empires. The goal is to spread the gospel throughout the world. And so the most effective way to do that is not going to be one pattern. There's not going to be one way to do church. There's not going to be one person who has all the answers and they get everything right. There's going to be different ways. And whoever it is that God has called to lead a particular church, then God's going to firstly speak to them and through them into what it is that he's trying to accomplish. But also he's going to gather a team around that person that can help and support and work towards that, that goal. And That's right. so within that, the question is, do you want to be part of the group that that committee or that person is serving and or do you want to be one of the people that serves alongside of them? And that, they are slightly different questions. But to find out whether or not you can be in one of those groups, just ask a few simple questions. Do you think that this church is lining up their doctrines with what the scripture says? Are they, are they teaching the word? Are they preaching the word? Or are they off on some random tangent that has nothing to do with scripture? Now, obviously, not everyone is always going to agree on every interpretation of every scripture, but there's certain things that you understand. If they're, if they're basing what they teach on what they find in the scripture, then that's a really good sign. If, if there's prayer, if there's integrity in the leadership, and if you can actually bring yourself to a place of submitting to them, then this is a church that you can go to. This is a church that you can serve in. Um, if I'm going to find myself in a situation where something about the core essence of that church challenges the core essence of who I am and I don't think it's something that can be resolved. And there's times through history that we can point to where people have said, this church perhaps is preaching completely wrong doctrine. I've gone to them. I've tried to change it and they won't change. And so I'm leaving. That happens. And that's one of the good reasons to leave. And if you cannot come to agreement from a scriptural point of view with the church that you're going to and you get to a point where you know there's no way that you can change that from the inside, then you need to start heading towards the door. If if you can't submit to that person because of stuff that you know that's going on, that whether other people know about it or not, but for whatever reason it clashes against your conscience and you can't in good conscience attend that church, then look for another church. That's, that's fine. 
but do it prayerfully. Don't do it lightly. And, and don't do it, don't try to just leave and say all of the problems are because of the church. Go through the process of working out what part of this do I need to change in my heart so that I don't go and take those problems with me or recreate those problems in another place. Yeah, there's some really good points, Pastor John. So it has been said that in traditional churches, the minister changes every three or four years. And in modern churches, the people change every three or four years. Why do we leave? Sometimes it's circumstances that make us want to change. And sometimes God says, go somewhere else. I think if it's God that's saying go, then you need to go and have that conversation with the pastor. You don't sneak out the back door. You don't just disappear and then everyone wonders where did they go. You don't try to play games or toy with it. Go have a conversation with the pastor and say, this is what I feel like God's put on my heart. Can you pray about it? And I know that the tendency from being in a pastoral role and talking to other pastors, normally if that conversation happens, the decision's already been made, we've already got to the point where we're out the door, but we just wanted to let you know, and that's better than just disappearing. But I would recommend that if the church that you're going to is the place that it's your spiritual home, this person has some spiritual governance and responsibility for your life, that perhaps before you get to the point of decision, Say, this is what we believe. This is what we feel like God's put in our heart. And even go as far as say, we're fairly certain this is God. But before we make our decision, we'd like your input. And actually give the pastor the opportunity to speak into it. Most of the time, if you do that, you'll absolutely floor him. He'll be staggered. He'll be surprised. Oh, you want my opinion before you've made a decision? And they'll generally take the time. They'll pray. They'll... they'll have something and even if the eventual statement is like I don't agree with you but I'm going to let you go at least you've had a conversation you've allowed them to speak but I think quite often in that circumstance if you give them the opportunity to speak into it a good pastor if they do go and if they do pray and if it does end up coming to the point where there's no way that you're going to stay they'll at least be able to say we're going to send you in peace we're going to send you with our blessing and so I think to actually go and have that conversation with them, the great temptation is if there's an issue, I'm going to sneak out the door and not confront it. I think the Bible would say, confront it, bring it up. Let's have the conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's see if we can resolve it. But if it's God actually calling you to another place because he's got work for you to do, then let's send you with our blessing and let's say, God, God work with you. God work through you. Pardon me. And hopefully in that, in the years to come, you when you look back on your time in that particular church, you can look back and say, God was there, I made some great friends, they sent me out, and I speak blessing over that church. Yeah, that's some great points, Pastor John. Um, and that's the thing, like, we don't need to get nasty about things. Uh, there's always things that are going to go wrong and things that you're not going to agree. Um, and it's just better. It's like every good conflicts, you just need a good conversation, right? You just need to go to the right people to resolve the right things and get it right. Like, we have different churches all over the world. They do things differently. You know, you get a very traditional church. You get a church that is like a nightclub or you can get a church uh, somewhere in between and you can get different types of music in different churches. Yeah. And you might feel like this different, you, younger people might connect with something different and older people might connect with something different. Uh, 
people with families might connect to something really different. And sometimes you're, you, you, you have a family, you might be looking at a church that actually does kids church program. Where do you go from there? It, and you are in a church that they don't have a kids church program. So, so if they don't have a kids church program, well, then you're thinking, should we go to a church that does have one? Because we have this big wall of where we can travel and find another church that suits your family. And some of those decisions are perfectly fine. You need something that as a person you can engage and connect with. and But that also needs to be, like you said, Pastor John, prayerfully that is this the right crowd of people I need to be with right now? And sometimes what you're going through in life, you need to be in a different church at that time in that season where God needs to take you from one place to another. There's things you might need to learn. I know this many times God has put me in churches and situations where sometimes I wonder, what am I actually doing here, God? Because sometimes I can forget what God is walking through me. It's only when I have come out of it and, and in a distant future, I can look back at it and see, okay, those were the reasons, God, you wanted me there for those things. And I'm glad I chose to be there because those things has really helped me now later on in life. And so, yes, they, you, you're going to have lots of questions you're going to be uh, needing an answer to. But it's really good to go to the leadership, your pastor, whoever it is, to have this conversation. And that's a very good Christian thing to do rather than just not showing up or leaving or getting offended by something. I'll just leave and I won't talk to anyone about it. It's actually biblical that you actually go and resolve issues, that you actually go and talk to people about it. And don't think that, all right, people don't care about me anyway. I've been here for five weeks, 10 years, and I've seen whatever, however long you might have been in the church. The thing is, people do care about you in churches. I've had seen it happen in many churches. There's people who genuinely care about you. And so don't feel like that there is no one in the church that they don't come and visit me. They don't do all of this. No, they do care about you. They are praying for you. And that's a sign of a good church. I believe there's someone in at least one in your church that is praying for you. And I can say that confidently because it's really hard for a church to survive without prayer and praying for their people. And yes, there might be some churches out there who don't do that, but majority of the church that I know, they do that and they care for you genuinely. So it's better to have a conversation than to just leave. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what, what happens if the reason that the church has no kids program is because everyone that comes there that has kids says there's no kids program and leaves. And so there's no reason for a kids program because, you know, what if you're the solution to that problem as well? What if God brought you along and said, you've seen the need in the church. So you mentioned about what if the church isn't praying? Well, what if you notice that the church isn't praying rather than saying, well, this is a church that doesn't believe in prayer. Go have a conversation with the pastor and maybe God brought you into that church because someone needed to start up a prayer team. That's and, right. And the pastor shouldn't be the one that has to do everything. Although I know that traditionally we've had that as a view, particularly the bigger the church gets, the more people that you need to step up and actually do different jobs, do different tasks, do different roles. And so maybe rather than just being, well, I can see a problem with the church, therefore I have to leave. Maybe the fact that you can see the problem with the church 
is part of God prompting you to say, maybe you should do something about it. Maybe you should help the problem, help become a solution rather than just pointing out the problem and leaving or just disappearing and not even telling them that that's a problem. If you're the only church family that comes to that church that has kids, then it's unlikely that they're already going to have a kids program that's running. But maybe if you just hang around and have the conversation with the pastor, they might be able to start something up. Or maybe you might be gifted in that area. Maybe you love kids and, and kids respond really well to you and you can start to teach them uh, God's way. And maybe you, that can be the start of the kids program. Or maybe there's all sorts of other different solutions that might be appropriate in your situation. But yeah, let's have the conversation. Let's see if we can work out solutions. Let's see if we can work together and let's try to be part of the solution. That's right. So if you're asking that question, if you're thinking about uh, whether you're in the right church, hopefully we've put some thoughts out there that might help you clarify that question in your mind and, and help you come towards an answer to help you know if you're in the right church. If you have questions, please send them through to askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com and we'll see if we can help answer those questions. Have a good week. God bless you.